The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Steve Grosso, and Courtney Garcia of Payne Capital Management. Ahead on Fast, just buy it. Shares of Nike hit a more than 52-week low a few days ago, but is a sell-off overdone? The chart master is lacing up for a trade on the name as it gets ready to report next week. Plus, Cruise Control, GM announcing it is acquiring SoftBank's stake in the autonomous driving startup Cruise. What the deal means for both buyer and seller in later semi-surge, the chip sector up nearly 10% this week. But there is one name in the group that's far outpacing the pack. We'll tell you what it is and why one of our traders would be a seller of it now. Hmm. We start off at the strong end of the week for the markets. Major indices putting in their fourth day of gains and posting their best week since November 2020. But can the momentum last? Two Fed officials suggesting the central bank should be more aggressive. Fed Governor Christopher Waller saying, I really favor front-loading our rate hikes that we need to do more now if we want to have an impact on inflation later. And St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, the lone proponent of the 50 basis point hike this week, writing, raising the target range to half a percent to three quarters of a percent and implementing a plan for reducing the size of the Fed's balance sheet would have been more appropriate actions. So if the market needs to brace for more aggressive and faster moving Fed, where should you put your money right now. Do you think that's what the market is telling us being up? The 10-year yield being pretty tame, Guy? Not quite sure what the market's telling us this week. I mean, we talked about it. Karen Mm -hmm. talked about it earlier this week about, you know, as confused as she's been in a while. I agree with that. You know, one thing sticks in my head. You know, I have those little post-it notes that I use because that's what people my age do. Pete said something on Monday where, you know, he was seeing people buying 70 strike VIX calls in June. And I haven't heard him say something like that in a long time. And obviously, look, June's a bit of ways away. I get it. But that sort of sits in the back of my mind. I don't think we're out of the woods yet by any stretch. I think these Fed officials are finally acknowledging what we've talked about literally for the last year and a half. And I don't think the market's taking into consideration at all. But June takes you through the May meeting, Tim. I went to Guy, by the way, first, because for the first time in a very long time. You got a haircut. Oh. We've got <laughs> that too. more than two traders here on the desk with Courtney <laughs> joining us today. But, Tim, what do you think? Uh, it's great to have Courtney on the desk here in the NASDAQ. And, and I'll tell you, I, I think guys getting at it before we get into the trades. Can we acknowledge the fact that Bullard comes out uh, when the Fed in November didn't recognize any inflation and now says he wants to raise by 250 basis points before year end in the next eight months? I, I mean, that that to me is you know, kind of a problem. I actually think they need to front load as much as they can here, too. I think if we can't raise 100 basis points, this economy has no legs to stand on. I think that the Fed uh, should have acknowledged this a long time ago, and I think it's good that they're acknowledging it now. But look, I'm I'm confused. And on a week when the semiconductors rallied 13.5% off those intraday lows on Monday, the Nasdaq up 11% off those intraday lows 
uh, on Monday, I don't want to chase anything. And, and I, I certainly don't want to chase trades that I think could be defensive in the face of Fed hiking, because I think some of those uh, are also way overbought. So I think you, you let this digest. Let's see what the Fed says next week. Yeah, Court. Yeah, and I, I actually really have to agree with you here, where I think it was interesting this week, we saw that the Fed is going to increase rates, and immediately you saw your tech and your growth for, firms jump on that. But I think we just really need to... I, um, take advantage of the fact that interest rates are going to likely continue to rise here and inflation is here. So even if everything going on with Russia and Ukraine goes away and even if COVID cases rising abroad goes away, that's still very much a risk here. And your longer duration assets are very much going to be at risk there. So I think you want to continue to look at your cyclicals, things like your banks, things like your energy companies, even commodities here because inflation is still going to be here and you really just can't discount that. You know what? You have more than one headline facing the market. You still you have, as she just mentioned, Russia, Ukraine. But but what I look at when you look at Bullard's comments, I look at what the sell side did. Three hikes, five hikes, six hikes, seven hikes. They were tripping over themselves to be the, the highest on the street. That's what these guys are doing. They want to say they were ahead. So the Fed governors are tripping over themselves like, yeah, like sell side yeah. yeah, I think I think they're trying to distance themselves, especially Bullard. I, I think I have I love what he says. I think he's very credible. But I think at this point, it's not helping. Or they're sending them out to jawbone the markets, which I mean, yeah. which would be an odd move, though, given the proximity to the Fed meeting guy. I mean, that's what's so fascinating to me about the comments today that we're digesting is that we just had the chairman of the Fed earlier this week talking about the path of hikes. And then we've got these two other governors out today. What do we believe and why would the markets believe the two governors just days after the Fed meeting unless the Fed had a credibility problem? We've been together 13 years now, Melms, and you're starting to think like me. I agree with you. I mean, it's not conspiracy theorists. They say, look, the market's done well. Let's trot some of these guys out and see what the market can withstand. Let's push the envelope a little bit here and test the waters. I don't think it's that ridiculous. I think they realize how behind the curve they are. And, you know, some people think they're a couple months behind. They're literally three and a half, if not four years behind, without question. Uh, and they got, so they got a lot of ground to make up. But I think to your point, why not push the envelope when the market seems to be on somewhat terra firma right now? I think that makes a lot of sense. And so let the market take the next step forward. And if you look at the 10-year, the 10-year is at a 225 intraday high on Fed Day. And, and before we got into the Powell testimony, we marveled and we were mystified why it fell, but fell that much more today. Yeah. So is the market already telling you that they're concerned that the Fed runs us right into growth? Why? Do, I mean, Amazon's up 28 percent in the last eight days. Um, mega cap tech. We're going to talk about NVIDIA. We're going to maybe have a mini debate on it. Um, and I'll save that. But but the point is, I I think what the market is doing is, is saying, on one hand, applaud the Fed for credibility in fighting inflation because everybody knows we need it badly. It's, it's, it's a blunt instrument. But uh, I think the market is actually saying, I want to be in defensive, slower growth, uh, lower multiple tech names that we've seen are, are basically the new flight to quality. Well, so what, is the market, I'm sorry, but yeah, is yeah. the market actually digesting the idea that, that a 50 basis point hike could be coming as suggested this morning? Or, yeah, I, I think mean, it what, is, but, but when you see the sevens, fives, it, so. and threes invert, uh -huh. doesn't that tell you that growth is going to be lackluster? The, you, you said the 10 years doing nothing. Yeah. So why not take a powder? Why not over speak and do less. But is, isn't that a market? So isn't that a market if, and this is Rick Santelli, great line on Wednesday, we're seeing a traffic jam in threes, fives, sevens, and tens, meaning the curve is getting very flat and you're right. seeing all those yields bunch up. Um, 
that's a market that's telling you they're worried about growth. I mean, well, that's and, a market and, that's telling that, he, that the rhetoric, I think he's so aggressive, hawkish, so, that the short term rates are really pivoting on that rising. And the long term, he's beaten growth. So out he, of here's it. my question. If you're worried about growth, do you want to be in the names that give you idiosyncratic growth? Because that was the formula for being in the mega cap tech trade before Courtney, that mm-hmm. a name like an Apple and a Microsoft, you know, these names have good balance sheets. But they also have idiosyncratic growth. They will still grow even if the economy slows. They will. But I think the question is, are they going to have as much growth as other other sectors of the economy right now, right? And I think the economy is on good footing. That is why the Fed is saying that they can continue to increase rates here. We have really good balance sheets for households right now. People are spending. So I think you want to look at some of those companies that have pricing power right now. And mm-hmm. with the fact when inflation is kicking in, I just think there's some other things other than your tech firms that might be better opportunities. It's not that they're going to not do well. I just think there might be other sectors that take off even further. Okay. Uh, meantime, retail, that soared this week. The online retail ETF. O-N-L-N, how clever, just wrapped up its best week since April 2020. And take a look at Nike, shares popping 3% today, ahead of the company's earnings report on Monday. The chartmaster says there is upside for the sports apparel name. Let's get to Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what are you looking at? Well, it's a good precondition for a move higher, which is exceptionally weak preceding price action. And it's not just Nike, of course, it's footwear across the board. Let's look at a few stats and a few charts. The first here, this is year-to-date numbers for Crocs, for Puma, Deckers. You see it right there. I mean, the S&P is down with its recent bounce, now only 7, 6.8. These things are still down 20, 30 uh, high teens percent. So the first chart, Nike. This is the, I mean, talk about a mathematically perfect 45-degree angle. That is the channel in which Nike has lived. It reached a low of 950 in the financial crisis low and hit a high of almost 180. And we've lived in that channel. Now, this pullback, take a look at the next chart. We are right down to the midpoint of the 2009-2022 channel. Does it mean you have to bounce here? No, but I think we will. Next chart. This is simply the current here and now. It peaked, it dropped 34%. And the question is, is this recent bounce enough to suggest that not only are those lows in, but there's upside. Final chart. So we know the high was 175 or thereabouts November 5th. The low was 116 on March 14th. You got a four month sell off of 34%. And right now we're trading, well, are we, are we going to get to 170? No. But can we get to that overhead supply? Yes, that's at 145. And so right now we're 131 and change. 145, that's another 10, 12%. And I think it's uh, a trade one should be getting involved in. All right. Carter, thank you. We'll see you on Options Action shortly. Um, Steve Grasso, yeah. is, is Nike buying your view or does it have a potential China problem, a potential supply chain issue problem? Yeah, I think Vietnam, I think, I think that's the issue. And I think all of those footwear stocks that he put up on the screen probably have the same supply chain issues as well. So you have to be very careful about that. But I think that's probably also in a lot of these numbers as well. So Under Armour looks like it might be a, might be a trade because I, I think we're just going on a reversion trade for all of these names. Yeah. During a period of crisis in a market dislocation, relocation, Nike's the first name you want to buy. And it was the first name to buy in, in, in the lows of COVID. And they were the first ones really to give you some insight into what they were seeing in China. They report on the 21st of March. I mean, this is, this, this is a company that I think you know, really will be the first to give you some sense of where gross margins are going, especially in discretionary with all of these factors. I'm a, I'm a shareholder. I, I, I expect to be a shareholder the day after earnings. But 
I get very concerned, even with the innovation and the tailwinds in fitness and whatnot. So much demand has been pulled forward. There's been so much pent up demand. There's been so much discretionary free money thrown at the world. And, I, and Nike is one of the great beneficiaries because you could be lower middle class. You could be middle class. You could be upper class. Right. And you can buy a $150 pair of sneakers and it can make your day. But how many sneakers do you need? Exactly. <laughs> and how many sneakers will Nike have? I mean, that'll be even if you don't own Nike, I would imagine that this conference call is going to be key. As Tim had mentioned, it had talked about supply chain issues. It talked about all that stuff mm-hmm. back in December, Courtney. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of short-term issues you're seeing with Nike. It's the supply chain issues, the issues with Vietnam. There's now COVID increase in China, which is going to affect their sales in China. Their sales in Russia and Ukraine are going to go down. But I think when you look at this from the longer term, a lot of these things are going to get resolved. So if you are of the view that these things will get resolved, and I think we all are, I do think there might be some good opportunities here. And I do think especially when you look at their... Um, sales abroad. About 70% of their sales in the next five years are expected to be outside of the U.S., and they already do have a foothold in China, which I think is fascinating. I think these are great things to take advantage of. Quick, would you rather, Guy? Nike? Oh, wow. We haven't done this in a while, by the way. I don't think think you've given Guy that that luxury. All right. Here we go. Uh, More global (laughs) Nike or more domestic Lulu? (laughs) I'm going to listen. I'll tell you one thing. The last couple times Carter Worth's been on, it's been spot on. I mean, look at that square call he made the other day, the Sox call. So 145, 50% retracement of the all-time high and that recent low. I'm in the Nike camp with CB Dubs, Melms. All right, let's move on. GM just announcing it is acquiring SoftBank's stake in the self-driving startup Cruise. It will make an additional $1.35 billion investment in the company. After the deal, GM will own 80% of Cruise. There's a couple ways you can look at the story, Tim, and your shareholder here. Um, GM is increasing its stake in a very valuable component of the company of Cruise. Uh, or SoftBank, for whatever reason, wants, yeah. needs to sell. I, look, SoftBank, at, at various times, we've seen them be way over their skis on a couple investments. We, we saw with Airbnb. We saw a couple other ones. Uh, you know, I, I think you've got a case. Actually, WeWork is really the, the, the case I'm thinking of. I think with GM, uh, $2.1 billion, $1.35 billion to throw into it. With all the money we've heard of them throwing at EV and, and, and in this case, autonomous, and where they've been already on autonomous and robo-taxis, this makes so much sense for GM. I don't think this is a game-changer, except for the fact that People who are looking to remultiple this company, this is exactly what you want to see. This is not a significant outlay based upon the cash flow they generated last year. Next year may be a different story. When you compare Tesla, GM, and Ford, Tesla's leap in, leaps and bounds ahead of them on battery, ahead, ahead of them on autonomous, but not so much anymore. I should have said used to be ahead of them. Now GM is really making a lot of headway. And I think this differentiates GM from Ford. And they're hot on the heels of Tesla, if you will. Coming up, Coinbase is dropping after hours. A notable short seller just announcing a bet against the name. We got the details next. And later in Options Action, mortgage rates may be on the rise, but that's not stopping one home builder. We lay out the trade for one construction company that may be building up for big gains. Fast Money's back in two. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, 
and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower? The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Coinbase is what I'm kind of talking about. Uh, Coinbase is, is what we would call one of the bubble stocks. Um, obviously, it's got a unique uh, uh, market niche as the, the pretty much the only public crypto exchange and consequently has the valuation to go with it. But we think as, as competition increases amongst the exchanges, you're going to see fee compression. And uh, as it is, uh, uh, Coinbase will probably not be profitable this year with a, a, a $40 billion market cap. That was short seller Jim Chanos just a few minutes ago on closing bell overtime, announcing his latest short position in Coinbase shares are down about 1.8 percent in the after hour session. Guy, we've talked before about this notion of sort of the Robin Hoodization of all trading, including crypto. Those fees go, go away. But Coinbase does have other businesses, custody business, et cetera, um, to offset that. And Jim said, if, I know you listened to it. He said, you know, look, if. People are just going to invest in this based on Bitcoin if they're going to take a very one-dimensional approach. He understands that this stock could go higher. He's obviously drilling down a bit deeper. I'll say this about Jim Chanos. I mean, I happen to think he's probably going to be right about Coinbase. A lot of people think Mike Mahaney talks about it being the bank of the metaverse, but that's probably five to eight years away. Uh, I think he can go lower from here. It's just a $150 stock. It's bounced pretty significantly over the last week or so. But Jim does extraordinarily thoughtful work. Go back and look at his work on DraftKings. When everybody, including myself, by the way, was tripping over themselves to be long the name. So good for Jim Channels on this one as well. Well, I agree with that. I, first of all, I agree, certainly on Jim. But I, I, it's, I agree on the concept of this is a company that's really not going to make money. And I just don't know if I want to own stocks like this in this environment. I, I believe Coinbase has a legitimate business. And I believe that they are certainly uh, taking a major demographic, have an enormously sticky market. People that are going to continue to grow their, their crypto experience through Coinbase, they're going to trade multiple currencies. They're going to begin to trade NFTs. Um, I, I just wonder, in this environment, is this a stock I want to own? This is not one of the ones that call them the high multiple tech stocks that have crashed that are going to be my first in. Yeah. Courtney? Now, I have to agree with that. I mean, I think I want to focus on companies that have real earnings, real dividends. I was actually one of his points on these, and I, it's nothing that I'm really trying to throw my money into right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's more environment, more macro environment versus stock specific at this point. Mm-hmm. But no one's reaching in a, in a higher rate environment for a quote unquote growth stock. It's been in a de- declining trend line since November of 2021. It has to break above 200 to break that. Embedded in this belief, though, Tim, as a trade on Coinbase, as a short, is, is there a belief that Bitcoin does not go higher? I think you have to have that. The correlation of Bitcoin to Coinbase is is over 0.9. There have been periods where it's broken down, and those periods have been in the last six months. Mm. So um, I, I, it's, I'm not going to say they're mutually exclusive, but I, I would say that you have to see a major decline in Bitcoin to really see the stock fall out of bed. All right, coming up, a semi-standout, the chip stock that is staging a massive rebound, putting its best week in nearly two years. We'll bring you the name of the trade, and later, shares of Eli Lilly having a monster march. Will the love continue in this name? The options experts will break it down ahead. Much more Fast Money in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. NVIDIA ripping higher. The chip stock up 6% today, posting its best week in nearly two years. Uh, Major catalyst coming up next week, Guy, one where some people are expecting maybe new products in the company. Jensen Huang will address investors and analysts. And that's going to probably be the sell the news event, is my sense. So we talked mm. about this on Monday. Obviously, while we were on hiatus during the Olympics, NVIDIA reported great quarter, better guidance, stock traded lower. Good news, bad price action. We talked about it subsequently in, when we came back. But we saw something Monday we haven't seen for a while. The stock cratered, reverse traded higher. We pointed that out. We said there's probably significant upside here, and that's what we're seeing. I still think there's a little bit room to the upside. I think the 50% retracement of the recent all-time high and this sort of $200 low gets you to about 275 280 I know that's not a lot in percentage terms, but I still think there's room. Do you like chips, Court? I mean, I think NVIDIA has been a strong, it, it's something you can't really bet against, right, recently over the last couple of years. And I do like their balance sheet. I mean, they have over $21 billion in cash on their balance sheet and less than $11 million in debt. 11 billion. Sorry about that. Um, But I I think they're really strong here. And I do think it's going to be really interesting to see what they're announcing next week, because we could see things like buybacks. We could see things like their sales on electric vehicles in China. And all those things, I think, could potentially be a catalyst for it moving forward. But we'll have to really see what they say next week. It's hard to bet against NVIDIA. I I just would bet against uh, NVIDIA more in this environment. I'm a short-term down trader. I'm a long-term investor. I'd rather own Marvell or, you know, one of the names that I think has a combination of 5G infrastructure plus cloud networking, cloud acceleration, and I think are cheaper stocks. That's really what it comes down to. In a semi-space where I think, look, semiconductors led the market higher. They've led it lower. They led it higher back this week. I just don't think we're, we're off to the races yet. We're in a declining trend line as well in NVIDIA. It it started back in in November 2021. The price breakout is right here, 264. So I I think I'm going to be in, guys, everyone's camp here. I I think it's going to reverse back, probably run a little bit, and then high-growth stocks probably not going to be where you want to be. So in this environment, Tim, would you rather – oh, I did it again. Yeah, can't help Here we go. Can Um, you get a graphic up there? Intel, maybe, an Intel value turnaround embedded here, you know? I could get get buried in this grave at some point and and at times felt like I have. But the the $35 billion infrastructure spend, what we're doing uh, in in terms of, you know – all of the infrastructure build out where I also think Taiwan Semi is kind of a naughty word in this country at this point, despite their dominance. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a case where Intel, the valuation, the expectations, and, and I don't think the, the bar is extremely high. It's certainly not high on valuation. I mean, Taiwan Semi guy, it, it has been or had been a, a desk favorite. Um, but is there some sort of, um, I don't know, discount that should be embedded in its multiple because of potential China risk? 
Discount is there without question. I think we can all speak to that. And maybe it needs to be further discounted. But at a certain point, Taiwan Semi, I think, you know, I think they're the five or six of the most important companies on the planet. I think Taiwan Semi is probably one of those five or six. So I think the discount it currently has may be enough to start dipping your toe. All right. Final trade times go around the horn. Guy, over to you. Uh, Eli Lilly Melms, you got to stay with the big cap pharma. Courtney. I live at XLE. I still think energy is a really good sector to play right now. Tim Seymour. Southern Copper, SCCO. You could go Freeport, you could go Southern Copper, but commodities pulled back. They're not pulling back much more here. Inflation means reflation. Steven. Do you know where you want to be? I think I think you want to be. I should say, do you know where you think you should be? It's value. What? You don't want to, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to so take, take two. You want to be in value, not high growth here. And I'm playing it with chemicals. It's a name that I've been in. Trinseo, T-S-E. The chart looks like an EKG. The patient is not dead. I'd be a buyer. I'd be loading up here. I think value is going to be where we're going to be running to. Do I know where I would want to be? Yeah. Is that what you asked initially? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be right here. I was trying to be a philosopher. Uh, and you will be. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money on this Friday. Do not go anywhere. Options Action is up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.